0: Are you interested in doing business in the Middle East, but want an MBA from a top US business school? And would you prefer a one-year program? Today's episode is all about NYU Stern's groundbreaking one-year MBA program in the UAE's Abu Dhabi. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast
1: dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Accepted's founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams.
0: Welcome to the 548th episode of Admissions Straight Talk, Accepted's podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Sometimes I'm asked, is the MBA worth it? And my answer is, it depends on your individual circumstances, but I've got good news. we have developed a tool that will help you evaluate whether an MBA is worth it for you and your individual circumstances and by how much. Just go to accepted.com slash MBA ROI and check out how much you're likely to benefit or not from the MBA and using the tool won't set you back even one cent. Use of the tool is free. It gives me great pleasure to have for the first time on Admission Straight Talk, Dean Robert Solomon. Dean Solomon earned his bachelor's from Michigan Ross and then moved to NYU Stern, which has been his home almost ever since. He earned his master's and PhD in strategy and international business there and has been a professor of management at Stern since 2005. Dean Solomon will lead the NYU program in Abu Dhabi and will actually be the inaugural dean of Stern at NYU Abu Dhabi. Dean Solomon, welcome to Admission Straight Talk. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you can join me. As uh, we were talking about before, it's morning for me, night for you. It's amazing that we can, you know, I think you're 12 hours ahead of me, right?
1: Um, 11 this time of year. Once you change your clocks, I think it'll be 12.
0: Right. So we're literally on other sides of the world, and yet we can still have this delightful conversation. Let's start with an overview of NYU's Abu Dhabi MBA program. Can you please provide us one? Sure. So we are
1: opening here an, a full-time MBA program. It's going to be a 12-month accelerated MBA program that will run from January through December. And the first class will start in January of 2025.
0: Okay. So you're you're really just getting going. You're not going to have a class this, this year. You're just getting going for the following year, really.
1: Right. We'll start a year from January. Although the website is now live, the application is available. It can be downloaded, people can start it, and uh, we are accepting applications now. The first deadline comes up January 15th, but people can start applying now. Sure, sure.
0: And it take it takes a while to put together a good, good application, so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Now, is this program aimed for people in the Middle East who want a US MBA, or is it aimed for people anywhere in the world who want to focus on business in the Middle East? What's the goal of the program? so the program is for anybody in the
1: world and what we would like however is that people who are interested in the region people who are interested in the potential of building a career in abu dhabi in the uae places like dubai or the broader region so we're happy to consider applications from anybody anywhere but we are hopefully going to be preparing people for careers in the region now that said What people get in the classroom here isn't going to be very different from what they get in the classroom in New York or in MBA programs elsewhere. They're going to be prepared to be business leaders and business managers. So they're going to get the same kinds of core courses that they get in New York. We are bringing the same robust MBA program that we offer in New York here to Abu Dhabi. And we hope that this program will be appealing to people the world over, not just in the region, but also beyond.
0: Will the professors like be traveling from New York City to Abu Dhabi or will there be online courses? Part of the robustness of the NYU program is the faculty.
1: Yeah, and this will be an in-person program. So there is at at the moment, we don't have any plans for online content. And just as we have a uh, top-notch faculty, world-class faculty in New York, we will be building a faculty here in Abu Dhabi as well. So we will be hiring to the standards that we have in New York, the kind of faculty that we have in New York. Now, saying that there is every from time to time, every once in a while, faculty might come over here and there to teach a specific course if they have a specific expertise and they will offer that course here in Abu Dhabi. In addition to that, we also have a module of the entire program, one module or about two and a half months of the program will take place in New York City. Right. So students will be in New York from, you know, in, in, in the, during the summer months, I think it's from sort of the end of May to mid-August, they'll be taking classes in New York and they will be taught by our faculty, our renowned faculty in New York City.
0: Great. We'll get to that part of the program in a minute too. Will the program focus at all on the business of energy, since it's going to be located in uh, the Middle East and specifically in the Persian Gulf? That won't be a specific
1: focus of this program. We will have several specializations in this program. So the specializations we intend to offer at the beginning include finance, leadership and strategy, technology, innovation, and entrepreneurship, marketing, and uh, potentially, we're also considering sustainability. So if anything, yeah, I mean, there might be sort of a slight energy focus, but on the next wave of energy is sort of how do we transition into the next energy regime away from fossil fuels, a- away from petroleum-based energy?
0: Right. Okay, good. Thank you for the answer. It's It uh, kind of fits with what I understand the the Persian Gulf is trying to do. You know, Saudi Arabia or Abu Dhabi or, you know, any of them in the UAE, they're all trying to prepare for a non-fossil fuel based world. Yeah, they're Um,
1: preparing for a future without oil, without fossil fuels. And they are diversifying their economy now in order so that once that day arrives, when the last barrel of oil rolls off the assembly line, or however we want to describe that, uh, that analogy, that they have other industries that are here and vibrant that can sustain the economy.
0: Right. Now, I noticed that you mentioned just a minute ago that there's going to be roughly three months or two modules of the program in New York City. Can I ask why? why? Well, we are, NYU,
1: we are an NYU program. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are uh, at NYU Stern as well. And one of the, the reasons that we want to bring students to New York City is so that they get to know and get, make connections to the home university. So that's part of it. So they get to know New York, they get to know NYU, they get to know NYU Stern. The other piece of this is that this is a global degree program. This is a program that is preparing students to participate in the global economy. And what better way than to have them learn about the global economy than to be not just in one singular place, but to also have a global experience. And for those in this program, that means not just being in Abu Dhabi, but also going somewhere else. And we just so happen to have a campus in New York with an outstanding faculty, a world-class faculty there, so why not bring the students there? And that's part of, if you look at many of our other programs at NYU Stern, they also have global components, and those global components are meant to uh, to, to to prepare people for the realities, the business realities of the world that they live in.
0: And you know, also, New York City is one of the capitals of business in the world. Yeah. It may no longer longer be the capital, but it is certainly one of the capitals of business. You know, it's funny. We're,
1: We're fond of saying that NYU is in and of the city, in and of New York. And when I think about Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi is increasingly becoming a world capital as well. I mean, it is a world capital, right? But it's increasingly becoming more and more connected to other world capitals with each passing day. And so now sort of with this program, we're not only in and of New York and in and of the city, but we're also now in and of Abu Dhabi and in and of the city. Because Abu Dhabi itself is a vibrant global city.
0: Okay, great. Thank you. Now, on one hand, NYU Abu Dhabi has the benefit of a one-year structure, which means lower opportunity cost, less time out of the workforce, the working world. On the other hand, applicants sometimes worry that a one-year program will limit the educational and networking opportunities or benefits of the MBA. Could it also hamper the possibility of getting an internship and possibly a career change. Could you address those concerns?
1: Yeah. And there's a lot in there in that question to unpack. There is. So
0: let's, <laughs> I let's, let me
1: try and sort of address a few of those issues and then I'll come back. It, keep me honest. If I don't touch on some of the issues, questions that you ask, just remind me and I'll, and I'll come back to it. Okay. So uh, with respect to the one-year program, There, I mean, certainly it's shorter than the standard traditional two-year program, and we often hear from our students, or at least people who are thinking about applying, that two years now is a long time to be out of the workforce. Mm -hmm. So it's not just well, a one-year program costs less in actual terms, like what it it from a monetary standpoint, it's it's less expensive than a two-year program, but also from an opportunity cost standpoint, it's also right. You're not out of the workforce for two years where you could be earning money you're only out of the workforce for one. Now, does that mean that they'll have a lesser or a less than experience? I don't think so. And we have experience with this format also in New York. Sure. What we find is in our various one-year programs, because of the intensity of the program, that intensity creates connection. It creates networks. It creates opportunities for students to become closer and tighter knit with each other because they actually spend more time with each other. It, it, it just... They spend more time with each other over in a compressed period of time. So they do develop those relationships. You asked about internships. This program does not have a traditional internship in the two-year MBA sense where people go away in May when the program is finished after their first year. They work for the summer and then they come back in September. But it does have an internship that's built into the program. It has a novel internship. It's an experiential internship. It's actually part of the curriculum. So students will be doing internships as they go through the program during that one year. So they will be working on live projects for corporations operating in the area, to perform those projects as they go through the program. And this provides several benefits. For the companies that sponsor the projects, and we're already working with several companies that have agreed to to sponsor those projects, but for the companies that are sponsoring those projects, they get to evaluate and see the talent that is in our MBA class. And for the people who are in our MBA class, the students, they get to evaluate those companies and assess like, is this the kind of company that I would wanna work for? And in some sense, they get two opportunities to do that because they'll have one of these experiential learning courses from January to May in Abu Dhabi. And they'll have another one, a second opportunity. So almost like a second internship from September to December. So we've designed the curriculum in a way so that they have almost, they, they get sort of two internship-like opportunities. And they could do sort of a consulting-based internship, say, in, their, in the January to May period. And they might decide, oh, I didn't really like the consulting one so much. Maybe next time I'll try the finance one, or I'll try one with a consumer packaged goods company, or I'll try one with a, you know, a, a government agency that's aligned with the kind of work that I want to do after I graduate. So there will be different kinds of internship opportunities than what exists in the traditional MBA program.
0: Okay. I think you've addressed two of the three questions. Possible side effects, but the one part that I think you didn't address fully was the career change aspect. A lot of one-year programs are quite clear; they say don't, don't, uh, don't come to us if you want to change careers.
1: We have no explicit policy in that respect.
0: I'm sure there
1: will be people who come to the program who are sponsored by their companies who say, "Hey, you can take a year off and then come back when you're done, and come back and plug right back into where you were, but now you have an MBA." But there are those who will come to our program and will come and be a full-time MBA student. They will not be working for any company. they will not be sponsored by any company and they might want a career change and that's perfectly okay too. They come in, they do the one-year MBA and then they switch to a career that aligns more with their interests. We don't have any you know we, we we're not making any warrants or representations about what students should or shouldn't be doing before they come into the program and after they leave.
0: Okay. Will there be career support at, at, at NYU NAD? Mm-hmm. There'll be yeah, much, much parallel to what's offered at NYU in New York?
1: Yeah, very high touch career services offering mm-hmm. that we have here that will guide students through the job search process.
0: Now you've touched on, and and this NYUAD site emphasizes experiential component of the NYUAD program. Can you go into it a little bit more? Is it going to be cases? Is it going to be consulting projects, startups, and running a business or a fund? How do you see that part of the program playing out?
1: So there are two principal components of the experiential piece. The first one I talked about a little bit before when I talked about those experiential internships that the students will be doing. So they will be attached to a particular project for a local company that is a live project that the companies want them to complete. So that is very hands-on. They're going to take what they learn in the classroom and apply it outside the classroom on these projects with these companies. So that's one element of the experiential component. The other piece is when we are in New York City, there will be a course that is called Doing Business In or Doing Business in New York City that will engage local companies in New York City. Students will go on site visits to go visit local companies in New York. They will hear from managers at companies in, uh, in New York they will, you know, that will come to their classroom to speak with them and engage them. And they will, we will have cultural elements for them to engage with as well, because part of learning is not just about what happens inside the classroom. It's about part of your experiences outside the classroom too. And we have a healthy, robust cultural program for the students as well.
0: And that actually leads to a question I meant to ask earlier. And that is, are there any language requirements for NYUAD? Is Arabic something that's encouraged or required?
1: No, it's, it's. look, I, I think languages are encouraged. All languages are encouraged. I think if, if you have the, the opportunity to learn another language, the answer should always be yes. I mean, that's an amazing gift and an amazing thing to be able to speak multiple languages. But there is no requirement at uh, Stern at NYU Abu Dhabi for it, people to speak anything other than English. And you know, English spoken widely here in, in in the UAE, just about everybody speaks English. All the signs are in English and, and the classes will be in English as
0: well. Okay, great. I noticed that NYU AD, like NYU Stern in New York City, NYU Stern in Abu Dhabi accepts many tests and also offers a test waiver option. Who should seek a test waiver and who shouldn't seek a test waiver in your opinion? I mean, you're going to be processing applications very soon. Whew. Yeah, I mean, I personally won't be processing applications. And I, don't, I, have I to admit, didn't mean you personally. I know what you meant, but
1: I wanted to preface it this way because <laughs> I am not, when it comes to sort of admissions, I'm not an expert. I okay. come from the program side. So, so I've been a scholar, I'm a professor, I'm a researcher, Right, right? That's right, my right. and I've come from running programs. I've been running uh, m- different kinds of MBA programs at, for Stern and master's programs and executive programs for Stern for quite a while. So I'm really familiar with the programmatic side. I'm less knowledgeable when it comes to admissions kinds of right. things, but okay. let me just try and answer the question as best I can with the caveat that I, I may not, I mean, generally I think the answer I'm gonna give you is accurate, but I, I wanna just caveat it with that. I, I might be making some mistakes on the on the margins. So when it comes to test waivers, the kinds of folks who should be seeking test waivers, I would say are those who feel like they are well-equipped in the areas that are associated with an MBA degree. And what areas are those? I would say, if you have a STEM degree, if you already have you know, a, a degree in engineering where you can demonstrate, and you did very, very well in school in your engineering program, and you can demonstrate that you performed very well, especially in your math classes, that would be the kind of individual who might want to request a test waiver. If you went to an undergraduate business program and you've already demonstrated through your completion of that program that you can handle the rigors of an MBA program, because you already have the you know the qualifications and you did very very well in your in your undergraduate business program, those are the kinds of folks that uh, that that would could you know, should or could potentially be requesting a, a test waiver or might be granted a test waiver. So basically, if you have sort of a STEMI background and your degree is from a, 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 you know, a widely respected accredited university and you've performed very, very well in the classroom, especially in your math-based classes, those are the kinds of folks who typically qualify for for test waivers.
0: You did a great job. Thanks. 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 I might be I might be slightly off a little bit, but that's the general no, I idea. Think, I think you're right on. I think you're right on. Obviously, as a professor, you want people in class who can perform. And I think it's that's the right. job of the admissions office to, to, to provide you with people who, who can perform. So um And one of the things I want to be clear
1: about too, and this made me think about it. The the, the question yeah. that you asked is that not only are we building a world-class faculty here at Stern at NYUAD, and we have you know, the benefits of tapping into the NYU Stern faculty in New York, but we also will be building a class that meets typical NYU Stern standards. So on the student side, our goal is to maintain the highest quality uh, student body that is on par with the student body that we have in, at NYU Stern in New York.
0: How many people do you anticipate enrolling in the first class?
1: The first class will be probably around 50
0: students. And then do you want to grow it from there, if possible?
1: Yeah, I, I, depending on the reception, and we're hoping for a, a solid reception, I I, I don't see why we couldn't grow it. And in in an ideal world, about 100 to 120 students per year. Uh, but, you know, we, that, it'll probably take us a few years to build to that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And you also mentioned a little bit earlier, the entrepreneurial aspect of the program. Can you touch on that? I mean, the Persian Gulf is, is maybe incorrectly, but it's not known for being an entrepreneurial hotbed. You know, San Francisco is, Boston is, New York City is. Abu Dhabi is, I think, more known for financial and obviously the energy industry. But is there really an entrepreneurial ecosystem there? Uh, believe
1: it or not, this is becoming more and more of an entrepreneurial okay. center. So, so I want to a- ask the
0: question. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: There, there, there was a book written a few years ago called Startup Rising that talks about sort of the ecosystem that is developing in this region and the kinds of companies that are coming out of that ecosystem. And so, yes, there is a bit of it. There is still a need to grow it more. Um, so it's still early days, I, I would say. And we are hoping to be a part of that ecosystem. Uh, and, and the question is how? Uh, I guess... What we're what we hope to do, there is an entrepreneurship center here at NYU Abu Dhabi. It's called Start AD. And okay. we are hoping that our students will be able to tap into the resources offered by Start AD. And Start AD, you could think about it as sort of like a kind of accelerator-ish program. But our long-term goal, uh, what we're hoping to do is in New in New York, at NYU Stern in New York, we have a program called the Endless Frontiers Lab. And the Endless Frontiers Lab insofar as I'm concerned, is a best-in-class accelerator program that brings about 75 ventures into the lab every single year. And each one of those companies gets paired with a student group that provides consulting services to that venture, a VC mentor who's attached to that program, and a subject matter expert, you typically a faculty member who knows about the area that the venture or the science behind the venture itself. And so all of those create this fantastic ecosystem. We're hoping that we'll be able to replicate that here. But in the meantime, we have start AD, which is uh, which is a, an accelerator located right here on campus.
0: Well, okay. What advice would you give to someone? Again, you have a background in, in as a professor. you have obviously program design, and you're now a dean. What advice would you give to someone aiming to submit an application for the January 2025 inaugural class? The first deadline, as you mentioned, is January 15th, and there are three more on March 11th, June 10th, and August 12th. I mean, maybe I should ask the question differently. Who would you like to see in your classes that you might, I, are you going to be teaching any classes or are you going to be strictly an administrative position? For now, I'm going to be an administrator. I'm hoping to get
1: back into the classroom sometime soon. Okay. Um, because I love teaching, I love being in, in in the classroom. But even if I'm not teaching, the students will probably get sick of me after a while because I'll be around and I'll be around to bother them. So that's uh, um, who,
0: who would you like but, to be able to bother? Um, <laughs> okay. The
1: best and the brightest. That's who. That's who I'd like to be able to bother. Uh, we're, okay. we're and, and from all over the world. I mean, we, we really do want a mix of students from different nationalities, from different places in the world. And now I, I think you asked about recommendations for those who are applying. And the one thing yes. that I would say is that we, we we do have merit-based scholarships available. And so the one piece of advice that I would, uh, uh, that I would offer is I would encourage people to apply early because the earlier people apply, the more likely it is that they, you know, the the, the, bigger, the pool we have available. Once we start granting those merit-based scholarships, the pools gets a little bit smaller. So the earlier you apply at some level, the better.
0: Got it, okay, great. This is a question I'm, I'm asking everybody. Are you at all concerned about the use or possible abuse of ChatGPT among applicants or students in your classes? The short answer
1: is yes, and okay. now, as a teacher, uh, it bothers me a little bit that students um, might rely on ChatGPT and not hand in their own original work, that they use it as a crutch, um, especially those who sort of, you know, people use it when they're short for time, they're being a little lazy, they were like, oh, well, I'll just have this, this program do it. So that bothers me a little bit. But I think now the onus, as again, as an educator, the onus then becomes, is on us. To create assignments that maybe leverage the benefits of Chat GPT and bring it as a tool to help enhance learning. So we're st- all still trying to figure it out together. In the meantime, though, we can't have students just using it to, to as you know to, to copy and paste to their assignments. And we have a policy against that. On the applicant side, we do have, we do have a policy. Well one of the things that we ask our students is to, to verify that they have not received any outside support in preparing their essays. In their application, and you know that that students who are found to have uh, to have gained the system and to have used outside to support, we can revoke their admissions. So you know we do have those policies, but again, the onus is on us to create prompts that make it difficult to use things like ChatGPT. You know, on the admission side, we want to know who the students are, and we don't want to know what ChatGPT thinks. We want to know what you think. And in the classroom, we want you to learn. We want you to push yourself. We want you to, you know, enhance your capabilities. And, and you can only do that if you really are putting in the effort and not relying on an outside tool to do it for you.
0: Right. I think there's also a difference between using an outside tool and relying on an outside tool. And- right,
1: right, right. Yeah, I don't mind them using outside tools, right? To And and I'm, I've been designing a little bit assignments that, Leverage ChatGPT in a way to help students learn.
0: Could you could Versus you share the, an example? Would you be willing to share an example? Yeah, one example
1: could be you actually put the prompt in ChatGPT that you want students to answer, and then you ask them to critique the response from ChatGPT.
0: Ooh, what clever! What did ChatGPT
1: get right? What did ChatGPT get wrong, and why? Another thing that I that I do in my classes is I have students work together in class and it's, I go from group to group. We have discussions in small groups. So, and, and it's, they have to think on their feet. So it, it's not, they're not prompts. The discussions that we have are not prompts that ChatGPT would know how to answer. So those are the ways that I approach it. But yeah, I mean, you're exactly right, which is we, we want we want students to use it as a tool. We don't want students to rely on it to do their work for them.
0: Okay, great. That's a wonderful answer. Thank you. What would you have liked me to ask you? So I think one of the questions that I
1: was thinking about in preparation for this is why here and why now? Go I for like, it. It's a great, why question. And great why, question. Why, why, did why didn't I ask yeah. that one? Why didn't I think of that? One? What, I, I mean I think. Part of it is that if you think about Abu Dhabi, and again, going back to something that I mentioned before, Abu Dhabi is increasingly becoming a world capital that's connected to other world capitals. And it's connected to other world capitals more each and every day. It's becoming more, as you mentioned, it's becoming more of a finance capital. It's becoming more of a sustainability capital. It's becoming more of a business capital. You know, It's becoming more of a consumer products capital. It's becoming a technology capital. It's becoming a FinTech capital. All of these things that the UAE and Abu Dhabi in particular is investing in because they see the need to diversify away their economy, away from fossil fuels and towards a more knowledge-based, services-based economy. For us, when we were researching and thinking about this as a location, when you speak to companies and you talk to them, they say, and you say, what, what, what is it that you need in order to accomplish these, these goals that you have? We hear the same answers over and over and over again, which is we need people who have managerial skills. You talk to even private or public employers here in the region, they say, there is a need for people with managerial skills to help us with that transition, to be a part of that, to help propel it. Ultimately, these are the folks who are gonna become the leaders in this region, and they are going to be a part of that transition away from an energy fossil fuels based economy towards this new knowledge-based, services-based economy. So when we were thinking about it, you know, what better location than to do that right here? We already have a campus here. We've already built a stellar faculty here. We've been operating here for, for, for more than a decade. We know the market. And so we feel like now is the right time to be the first ones, the first top U.S. business school to offer a full-time MBA in the region. There's tremendous talent here too. There's a lot of young people who are have an incredible desire to upskill too. So that that was also part of it. So the the employers are asking for it on the on the, the you know the, the demand side for the, for our graduates and on the supply side the prospective applicants the students really want it because they see the need to upskill as well.
0: spoken like a true economist. <laughs> a <laughs> <Supply in> demand. <laughs> thank you again for the, the question and the answer. Thank you for the entire interview. It's been wonderful. Thank you for joining me today, Dean Solomon. I'm not going to ask you where listeners and potential applicants can learn more about NYU Abu Dhabi's MBA program, because I know the URL is long. I'll tell listeners that they can find the URL it's linked to from exhibitcom slash 548, or they can obviously Google it. But again, thank you. Listener, thank you, too, for joining Dean Robert Solomon, Dean of Stern at NYU Abu Dhabi, and me for our 548th episode. We're going to include links in the show notes, accept.com slash 548 to NYU Abu Dhabi, as well as to other relevant interviews on Admission Straight Talk and articles on Accepta's blog. They're all linked to at accepta.com slash 548. Quick reminder, check out Accept's free MBA ROI calculator, at accepted.com slash M-B-A-R-O-I and get your estimate of how much an MBA could benefit you. If you found this show worthwhile, please tell your friends. Don't let them miss insightful interviews with deans of fascinating new programs or admissions directors at top programs, test prep pros providing tantalizing tips or alumni doing great things. Thanks again for coming. This is Admission Straight Talk produced by Accepted and I am your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week.